Once again, good morning. I am not going to waste any time this morning. I've got a message for you that the Lord has placed on my heart, and I believe it is for this day, for this group of people. I'm continuing the First Thessalonians sermon series. This is sermon number six in this series. And the title of this morning's message is, It Could Be Today. It could be Today, I'm going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 9, and we're going to finish the remainder of that chapter. So as we begin this morning to dive into the text, I want to give you just a bird's eye view of what we are going to be looking at this morning and seeing from these few verses. First of all, we are going to see that as Christians, we are called to love. We are called to love. Please don't misunderstand me. It's not suggested that as Christians we love. If we are truly a follower of Christ, if we are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a calling to love. We are called to love. Number two, we are called to a Christian lifestyle. And after we cover those two things, we're going to be finishing out our text today by taking a look at what does the future look like for people who are truly believers, are truly followers of Jesus Christ. God's word's pretty clear about that, and it is good news. So let's take a look at our first point, which is we are called to love. And we are going to begin looking at verses 9 and 10. God's word tells us there, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Now, as we begin to look at this concept of we are called to love, one of the things that we've got to realize is that we are talking about love that is truly Christ-like. And I'm going to tell you, that's something that we've got to work on. It's probably not something that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and feel like I'm there. I've got that Christ-like love today. I have received it all. I never need to grow anymore. That's just not how it works. We should constantly be striving to love as Jesus loved. And I want to tell you, as far as that calling that we have to love, it is so very important that we not just love each other right here in this church. We are called to love. We are called to love unbelievers. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Please listen carefully. The Bible's very clear about sin. Very, very clear about sin. In fact, he calls some forms of sin an abomination. So never should we pretend that sin is okay. Never should we pretend that sin is okay. But we have got to go into the world. We've got to have conversations with people who have different views than we do. Maybe that have different lifestyles than we do. Again, not pretending that it's okay. But we have got to show them the love of Jesus. If we don't do that, how will they ever know that they need a relationship with Jesus Christ? How will they ever know that Jesus can be their Lord and Savior if we don't have intentional conversations with them, if we don't continually point them to Jesus Christ, if we don't continually show them what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, how will they ever know? 
And don't, don't ever forget that sometimes by our silence, we may even be affirming the sin in their life. We've got to have conversations with him. Now, when Paul references brotherly love in verse 9, he is actually still telling these people a conversation that started back in verses 1 and 2. It's how to live your life in a way to please God. Now, Paul is commending this church here. He is telling them in in regard to brotherly love, I don't need to tell you anything else. You're doing it. And not only are you doing it, you are doing it very, very well. Now, when we look at this particular church in Thessalonica, we see this church was a caring community of believers. You know, that's what they were known for. And isn't that what church should be known for? Church should be known as a a caring community of believers. Now, there were two primary reasons that Paul didn't need to tell them anything else about the importance of having this type of love. Number one, they were already doing it, and they were doing it well. And then number two, they had been taught by God. They had been taught by God to love. Now, this refers to the direct ministry of the Holy Spirit upon the life of the believer, of those who truly belong to Him. Let's look at Romans 5.5. God's Word tells us there, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And when this happens, folks, when that Holy Spirit is on us, we will pour out the love of Jesus Christ to the world around us. It becomes a part of who we are as a Christian. Now, in verse 10, we see that although this love is a work of God, it also takes a willing heart and it also takes an obedient heart. So Paul's affirming to these people here, great job, great job. And you know, sometimes we have a need to hear that. We have a need to hear that. And I want to remind you, there's always the challenge of moving forward and doing more of what Christ has commanded that we do. We must continue to grow in love. Now, as we take a look at verses 11 and 12, I still want us to realize that we're talking about the importance of living a life that pleases God, but also to have a good reputation both within the church and outside of the church. So as we start to take a look at verse 11, I want you to be able to see, obviously, Paul is writing this letter. Just a quick review. Paul is writing this letter This chapter that I am reading today, he has written it to the church in Thessalonica. Paul, at this point, has three areas of concern for this church that he is writing to. The first is restlessness. The second is meddlesomeness. And the third is idleness. First of all, Paul tells them that they should aspire to live quietly. Now, you know, sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? Especially if you are a people person, it is hard to be quiet sometimes. We have a need to want to talk. We want to talk to other people. 
And it's hard sometimes to be quiet. But one of the things that I believe Paul is trying to get across to these people right now is that, you know, as I look at my own life, most of the time when the Lord speaks to me most profoundly, it's when I'm being quiet. It's not when I'm talking necessarily. Now, can, can God speak when you're, when you're talking? Absolutely, He can. God can speak any time that He wants to. But most of the time in my own personal life, the times that the Lord has spoke most profoundly to me, it's when I am being quiet. And I think Paul is just trying to tell this church here, That it's not all about a spiritual high. It's not always about spiritual excitement and emotional issues. Sometimes we need some balance in our life. Sometimes we need some calmness in our lives. In fact, Christ calls us to practice that. Now, secondly, Paul is addressing being medicine. He is saying here that they should mind your own affairs. Remember, he's writing to this church. He is telling them to mind their own affairs. And you know, as Christians, people are watching us. They are seeing whether or not we are handling our own business. They, they notice that. And then thirdly, Paul is instructing them to work with your hands. Now, now Paul is not necessarily giving some type of divine command here that they all have to work in manual labor. But instead, what he is saying, he wants them to be responsible in their daily living. Now, if you are taking notes here, and I hope that you are, I want you to write this down. Christianity should never be separated from our daily routines, ever. Christianity should never be separated from our daily routines. We're going to talk about that in more detail as we get closer to the end of the sermon. Now we see in verse 12 that Paul was concerned for two reasons about whether or not they were working or whether or not they were idle. First of all, Paul wanted to win the respect of outsiders. That sounds like a good thing to do, doesn't it? Paul wanted this church to win the respect of outsiders. But now it's very important to realize what his motive is here. Paul did not need the non-believing community to validate the church. He didn't need that. That's not what he was after. Instead, what he was trying to get across to this church is that that non-believing community, they pay attention to how you live your life. They pay attention to that. You know what? If among your workforce, if among your co-workers, you're known as a gossip, what's that do to the name of Jesus Christ if they know that you profess to be a Christian? That non-believing community has their eyes on us. The non-believing community had their eyes on this church that Paul was writing to. And the non-believing community has their eyes on us today. Now, the second reason that Paul did not want this church to be idle was that he he did not want them to have to be dependent upon anybody. He wanted them to be able to take care of themselves. But with that, can we just acknowledge that there are some times that people need some help financially. The loss of a job... 
is just one example that you can get behind on your financial obligations easily. And I'm going to tell you, that's an opportunity for believers to show people what a relationship with Jesus looks like. It's an opportunity for the church to be the church and help take care of people. And if you're fairly new to this church, maybe you've seen on the screen or maybe you have heard us say something about the dollar ministry. And you might not know exactly what that is. Well, just in, just to try to describe this really quickly, we encourage our members, in addition to what they would typically give to the offering for any given week, to give one additional dollar per person in their family. And most of the time when you look at the offering, our counters can figure out the extra dollars. But what they do at the end of that particular Sunday, just for instance, if Let's just say there's 100 people here today. At the end of the day, we're going to have an extra $100 available for the dollar ministry. And that goes into a fund that allows this church to be able to assist with legitimate financial needs. And what you might not know is that there is a team of volunteers that work behind the scenes. Most of the time, you don't see those people. But I believe with every ounce in me, it's calling for those people. They show up when it's not easy sometimes. They spend a lot of their time counseling people. But that is a way, folks, that this church is ministering to the needs of people in Greensburg and Green County. It's an opportunity for us to be the church. Now, as we move toward this final section of verses, we're going to begin to look at What does the future look like for people who are truly believers or truly followers of Christ? Now, verse 13 starts with saying, but we do not want you to be uninformed. And, you know, so many times in the world we live in today, we've got so much technology at our fingertips. We can look basically at any news source we want to. We can check out social media and see the opinions of virtually everybody on there. We can, we can check out anything we want to. Technology can be a blessing, or I think sometimes it can be a curse. But we can find out a lot of information almost on almost any subject that we want to. But even with that, even with all the resources we have at our disposal, sometimes it is still possible to think you are completely informed but to be totally uninformed. And I'm going to give you an example of something that happened in my life earlier this week that just shows you how easy this can happen. Some of you know that I have for a very long time I've walked for exercise. I typically plan to walk at least four days every week for a little bit over three miles at a time. And I don't waste any time when I'm out walking. And on Monday of this week I was out walking in On the route that I go, I pass my aunt and uncle's house twice, actually, once on the way out and once when I'm almost finished with my walk. And as I passed the first time, they were sitting out on their porch. They spoke to me. I spoke back. I kept on walking. Several minutes later, I come back, and as soon as I get inside of their front porch, they're still out there. But my aunt yells at me, and she says, Todd, you've got to hurry up. You've got to speed up. You've got to walk faster. I didn't have any idea what she meant because I I wasn't wasting any time. 
I was at that point probably within six or seven minutes of finishing my walk. I could see, I could see the finish line almost. And one of the things that I have learned over the last eight years or so as serving as a pastor, when somebody says something to me, if I don't think I've understood what they've said, I usually ask them again, what, what did you say? So I did. That's what I did with my aunt. I said, what'd you say? What, what did you say? And so she repeats it again. Todd, you've got to go faster. You've got to speed up. And so then I asked her a really direct question. I said, why? What, what, what do you mean? And she pointed behind me. She said, look. And, you know, I want to show you on the screen. This was the view in front of me. This is the view in front of me. Now, I can tell you all kinds of Scripture verses about the importance of looking ahead, forgetting what is behind, pressing on towards the goal. It's exactly what I was doing. But look what the scene was behind me. And I didn't have a clue. I did not have a clue that there was a storm brewing at my back. No clue whatsoever. That's as easy as it can happen, folks. We can think we know what the entire picture is, but sometimes we don't. And just as easily as we can be confused about the current weather situation, guess what? We can be just as confused on how it's going to happen with the second, with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, as we begin to think about that, I want to tell you one thing just at the very beginning. There is a huge difference between the death of a Christian and the death of a non-believer. A huge, huge difference. So many times today's world wants us to believe that death's the same for everybody. Yes, we all die. We're going to face the judgment. But eternity is so different between believers and unbelievers. And I want you to hear this morning the difference is the hope and the assurance of the resurrection. Now in verse 14, we see the phrase that says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And folks, this is a key, crucial truth for all believers. Paul then ties this truth to the unknown future. Now stay with me. Whatever Jesus does, his true believers follow. His people follow. Wherever Jesus is, his people are already there. Jesus died and he rose again. Christians who die will rise again. Those who have died, they're still in Christ. If they were ever in Christ, they're still in Christ. They will return with Him. And this is all carried out by God's power. Now in verse 15, Paul introduces something new here. It's a special revelation. It is a word from the Lord. Now Paul's primary concern here was to assure and encourage this young church And he began by stating on what authority that he was speaking. And it was Jesus' own words. 
And it's that everyone who's alive on earth at the time that Jesus comes back will not go before those who have died. Now, Paul was trying here to point the believers away from grief and and toward hope for those who have died. Now, in verses 16 and 17, it's almost like Paul is handing us a bulletin. He is handing us an order of service for how this is going to go down. Now, we see in verse 16 that the Lord himself is going to descend. I wonder, can, can you just imagine? And the answer is no, we can't. We can, our minds can try to imagine what that's going to look like, but I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus comes back, I don't think our earthly minds can even begin to comprehend what that's going to be like. Christ himself is going to be there. And then it says, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Can you just imagine what it's going to sound like when that trumpet blows? And again, the answer is no, we we really can't. But I want to tell you something that happened in my life that I have never, ever forgotten it happened when I was about 10 or 11 years old, and I will soon be 54, so it's, a lo- it's happened a long, long time ago, and I have never forgotten it. But when I was a child, we went to many gospel concerts, usually at least one every four or five weeks. And one particular night, we were at this gospel concert. I, I can't remember who it was that we had gone to hear sing. But they were singing, and at one point of the concert, they sang just an absolutely beautiful arrangement of Amazing Grace. Sang it quietly, and it, and you know, you know, I'm a music person, and in this particular arrangement, they had some beautiful chords in it that I had never heard before, and I thought that it was absolutely beautiful. It was. And they were just singing it quietly. They weren't over singing it or anything like that, and. They proceeded to sing that song. And then when it got time for the final verse, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, you know, something happened we weren't expecting. Somebody with that group that wasn't on the stage at the time had walked around the outside of the church. And he came in the front door, the front entrance of the church, with a trumpet and blasted down on the last verse of Amazing Grace as loud as he could possibly play. And I've never experienced anything like it. Children were crying. Adults were screaming. It took everybody by surprise. He proceeded to march down that aisle blasting on that trumpet and played the rest of the song. And then somebody from the group stepped up to the microphone and said, That took a lot of you by surprise, didn't it? There's going to be a lot of people taken by surprise when the trumpet of God blows. Will you be prepared? Will you be prepared when the trumpet of God blows? Because the either the good news or the bad news, however you want to take it, is that when that trumpet of the Lord blows, you're not going to be able to do anything at that point. It's going to be too late if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Are you ready? 
And then we see, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Remember that the dead believer is still in Christ. If they died in Christ, they are going to rise first. Scripture tells us nothing can separate us from Jesus. Not even death. Their souls are already with Christ. They're going to receive their resurrected bodies. And then after that, we who are alive, we who are left... We're going to be caught up together in the clouds with to meet the Lord in the air. And folks, I want you to know there's going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation there. The question is, will you be there? Will you be there when that happens? And then verse 18 tells us, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The second coming of Jesus Christ for a Christian is glorious. We should be encouraging each other with that. You know, the battles that we face during our earthly journey, they're temporary. No matter how bad they seem to be, they're temporary. But eternity is forever Eternity is forever. That should be a great encouragement to us today. Now, in closing, I want to talk about a few ways that we can apply this text from today to our daily lives. First of all, we must be intentional about loving others. You remember I said earlier in the sermon that we should never separate Christianity from our daily lives. I want to talk about that just a little bit more right now. There are a couple of podcasts that I listen to every week. And a new one that I've just started following, it's called the Pact, P-A-C-T, podcast. And my friend Tim Harvey, that some of you probably remember, he led worship in a revival here in 2012. We've been friends ever since. He now serves as a pastor down in western Kentucky. And he is joined on this podcast by two other pastors in western Kentucky. And it is really, really good. It's not over 20 minutes any week. And the, the topics they address are good. But this particular week, this it's released on Thursday each week. And this past Thursday, they were talking about identity. And you know, that's something we've talked about here before. But typically when we talk about identity, when we think about identity, if we walk up to a stranger... And we introduce ourselves. You know, I'm probably going to say, Hi, my name's Todd Young. What's your name? And so they're going to tell me, hopefully, what their name is. At least their first name, even if they don't want to give me their last name. Or might, maybe they'll make up a name if they don't think I know them. But then as, as the conversation proceeds, usually it goes to, what do you do? You know, where do you live? It's things that they identify with, things that I identify with. And on this particular podcast, they were talking about Christian identity. And, you know, a lot of times we will hear even somebody make this statement. If Maybe it's like this. You can fill in the blank. I am a electrician who just happens to be a Christian. I am an engineer who just happens to be a Christian. I'm a teacher who just happens to be a Christian. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm a therapist who just happens to be a Christian. But you know what? If we are truly Christians, 
Guess where our identity is? Our identity is in Jesus Christ. That's where our identity comes from. What we really should be saying is, I'm a Christian who just happens to be an electrician. Or I'm a Christian who just happens to be a teacher. I'm a Christian who just happens to be an engineer. I'm a Christian who just happens to be a doctor, a nurse, a therapist, or the list goes on and on. And you know what happens when we do that? We share the gospel because it's a part of who we are. It is a part of who we are. And that is a way that we share God's love with others about telling them the truth. And then the second way that we can apply today's message to our lives is it's in the, in the area of worry. You know, so many times worry creeps in our lives and we spend our time worrying about stuff that my grandmother would have said does not amount to a hill of beans. And you know it most of the time it doesn't, especially when you view it through the lens of eternity. And if we're not careful, when we worry, it causes us to take our minds off of the main thing, off of those things that God has called us to do. And then finally, when we have an opportunity, we should encourage people who are grieving with the truth about the resurrection. So as we prepare to close this morning, remember, we were talking about the title of this message as it could be today. Maybe you realize that, hey, I'm not loving like Christ wants me to love. I want you to know it could be today. It could be today that it all changes. This could be the day that you truly commit your life to Him. Maybe you realize that right now you're not living a Christian lifestyle. I want you to know it could be today that all that changes for you. It could be today that you completely and totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you know if that trumpet blows right this minute that your eternity is going to be spent in hell. If that's you today, I want you to know today, first of all, it could be today. It really could be today that that trumpet blows. And secondly, it could be today that you give your life and your heart to Jesus Christ and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. It could be today. I wonder, will it be today? Maybe there's people here this morning that realize, hey, I just need to totally surrender my life to Jesus. I don't know what it's going to look like, but He does, and I'm going to trust Him that after I take that first step, He's going to take the rest of them, and he will, but it could be today. The answer is, I guess the bigger question is, will it be today? Will you be obedient? Remember I said earlier that it takes hearts that are willing and obedient. It could be today. It could be today that we see the beginning of revival in this church. It could be today. Will it be today? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your word that's true. Father, I pray that you will keep your message alive in the hearts and lives of people. Father, we realize that as Christians, we are supposed to love. And Father, I pray that we will always love each other. But Lord, I pray also that, that we will not just love each other. I pray that we will love the world 
enough to tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we will be willing to have intentional conversations with people who are so terribly confused about what eternity looks like. And Father, I pray that we will be found pointing them to you and to the cross. And Father, I pray right now for people who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. I I really believe that there are people here this morning that have realized that they're lost and on their way to hell. Father, I pray that this will be the day that they will give their lives to you. Father, I pray that we will see surrender in this place, and I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.